Beyond, and hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, episode 646 of IGN's weekly PlayStation show. I'm joined this week by Brian Altano. Hey, baby. Wonderful, that classic catchphrase as always, and we're also joined <laughs> this week by Max Scoville. Yes. That other classic catchphrase that we're all known here for on the playstation show anyway we do have a lot to talk about actually this week even though again sony will not give us specifics about the ps5 chances are those specifics will go live 20 minutes after we record but we did get a decent amount of information thankfully after the ghost of tsushima state of play thanks to an interview we were able to do here at ign and we got a little bit of a teaser about the ps5 and games coming soon we'll get to that in a second but if you are wondering why we're not going super in depth on the ghost of tsushima state of play itself it's because we recorded a second episode last week so if you happen to not catch that episode and you're not subscribed to any of our feeds go check that out go subscribe go uh hear all of our thoughts about that and we will have some of your thoughts later on in this episode but first i did want to talk about that nebulous announcement that news is coming so we got word from sony the parent company-wide sony ceo um, saying that, quote, we will soon be announcing a strong lineup of PS5 games. And that's pretty much it. Um, we don't have a date or any sort of window or how that will come about, but we know that they are now saying Sony will be announcing a slate of PS5 games soon. Uh, and so that could mean first-party games, it could mean exclusives, it could mean just multi-platform games, we don't really know. But uh, I don't know how you guys feel, but being stuck, like it's nice to hear that the top of the company is acknowledging the PS5, but it's still in this weird nebulous soon way. Right. Yeah, I think um I think their best bet is to jam together a whole bunch of third party and first party announcements at the same time. I don't really see uh them coming out with like this gigantic lineup of first party stuff announcements. Like that feels um well first of all, you have like two of their biggest studios are are still shipping product in the next few months. Then you have, you know, what Santa Monica's, it's going to take them. A, I, I honestly don't think we're going to hear anything about a new God of War game for a while or whatever they're working on. Um, and, and then you have like Media Molecule with Dreams and stuff like that. Like there's a bunch of stuff that just happened. Um, and even, you know, uh, you know, Sony Bend, like I feel like it, they're going don't, to, I don't think that they're ready for any new announcement. I mean, we really just got, it wasn't too long ago. We got, we got Days Gone. It's still getting updated. Um, like I, I have a feeling we're going to get a lot of sort of like, here's the like special edition PS5 editions type stuff. Like there'll be a lot of like kind of PS4 games on steroids. There'll be a lot of like, here's, you know, confirmed third party stuff. There'll be a lot of like games as a service stuff that we expect on launch already. Um, some announcements we know, some announcements we don't. I think the best idea for them is to just jam as much information in as possible. But I'm not really expecting a ton of big first party stuff right now. Yeah, I think the um, the announcement that they plan on announcing things is sort of sort of infuriating. I, I feel like we see this a lot from CEOs like Bob Iger was always doing that, where he's like, yeah, we got the uh, the Poe Dameron show in the works or whatever. And people are like, wait, what? And it's like you know, he just, <laughs> just blurt something out in an earnings call. And it's like there's no also there's no Poe Dameron show that I'm aware of. I was thinking of Cassie and Andor. But anyway, right. uh, you know, he just blurts that stuff out. And it's like you're the head of the company. If you want to announce some stuff, maybe, you know, kick marketing in the ass and be like, how do we how do we raise some like brand awareness and how do we get people excited about what we're working on? Cause to sort of being like, hold on, it'll be ready in a minute is like a non-announcement yet again. Um, yeah, I would, I, I would take anything at this point. I think any, any kind of teaser, I would take some sizzly logo reveals, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe like we got, 
we got our first look at the PlayStation 5 in the forms of uh, a still image of an obvious logo and um, a, a three, two, well, two, one, two and a half pictures of a, of a controller. Like maybe maybe a video of literally anything. Like we got that that sizzle of like PlayStation Studios or Sony Studios or whatever, and it's like just just make something to, to like make some make some buzz, make some hype, make just get us excited about literally just like any little thing. Uh, but yeah, know what you said about first party studios, I think is is kind of a given. Um, I, I mean, I imagine they're probably going to buddy up with with a few third parties and do some exclusive reveals, and like you always see, um, yeah. But yeah, uh, no, just like for the love of God, just give us anything, just any, anything, just the, the first party beat uh, that you've both brought up is really interesting because I was looking back at it. Um, the last time we got like really big, proper, far reaching sort of announcements about first party games was 2017. Uh, we got games like Concrete Genie was announced that year. Ghost of Tsushima was announced that year. Um, and then, of course, uh, Uncharted The Lost Legacy and uh, Last of Us Part Two were both announced 2016 same uh psx uh we got spider-man and god of war at the same time i believe um sony really put everything out there between like 2016 and 2017 and so it has been years since most of their first party stables save for of course like mlb and stuff like that that we've seen anything from them new uh it's really been sort of a like the final three ish years of this cycle have been what first party has been working toward. And now it's this weird, quiet mystery of where do they go next? I think that's good to a point. Like I've sort of, I've, you know, praised them for this because I think if you, if you do a little info drop and be like, Hey, it's a, it's almost ready. If you, you know, announce a game three years in advance and then pop up every six months to be like, check it out. Here's another trailer. People just lose interest. Uh, Whereas flip side of that is like, if you, if you don't have anything to say, people don't have anything to look forward to. I, I totally agree with both of you guys. I feel like in a normal era, uh, like in a random ass E3 year, um, it's 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 kind of a faux pas to just show a, a logo for something that doesn't really exist yet uh, or won't for a while. But I think that at the dawn of a new console, when you want to get people invested in this like ecosystem for the next few years, that's sort of okay it's still cheating and it's still kind of dirty but it is uh i do think that it's like context yeah you're going okay like if you if you get this thing in november you are buying into a system that will eventually deliver x y and z and uh like to clarify real quick on what i said earlier we 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 only named a few studios they own like i didn't even scratch on you know insomniac or anything like that and yeah not that i'm expecting them to deliver a launch game uh but I think that if they say, hey, we're working on something that could happen in the next year or year and a half or 2021, then, you know, all right, I'm buying this thing in November and I'm going to kick around, play some of my favorite games on it, play some games of a service, third party stuff. Uh, but in 2021, I'm getting Spider-Man and Venom or whatever. I, I did want to bring up Insomniac as an interesting case because, of course, they're the most re- recent acquisition. And they are a studio that does have multiple teams within it working uh, pretty consistently. They had quite a bit of output this generation, uh, both on the PlayStation side, but also wider. You know, they started, of course, with Sunset Overdrive. Uh, they did even a smaller game that was published when GameStop was trying to get into games publishing. And, of course, they did Ratchet and & Clank and Spider-Man. Like, they tend to be pretty prolific and then then that's not even counting their vr output which presumably is going to go toward psvr now um so i i wouldn't be shocked if we see something for them like you're saying within the first year that's how we how weird would it be if sunset overdrive 2 was a ps5 launch title (laughs) that would be very strange i mean they announced a banjo kazooie for the 360 years ago 
yeah you know, that was that was weird as a nintendo fan but yeah, yeah that would be a very strange uh back and forth i i did one also sorry go ahead i was going to touch on this but like thinking back to the ps4 reveal event and they just dumped like a ton of games on us all at once um one of those games if i'm not mistaken was dreams which yeah you know came out two months ago or three whatever you know whenever it came out it it's been a strange year but like <laughs> i think people are extremely forgiving with um you know what what determines a launch title and i think that there's sort of we've come to expect like oh it's not so much like day and date system launch title this is a launch window title and occasionally there are delays that come with that and yeah i don't know like i think to to get again like to sort of touch on what brian said like to to get people excited about about a new a new ecosystem or a new a new platform that you you, you get a little bit of wiggle room to be like to kind of hype it up a little bit during right. like during a normal e3 it's sort of bad form to show you know your next five years worth of game releases because then people just sort of get like spoiled almost. But mm-hmm. in th- in this case, I feel like it's, it's really weird that we're this close to a new system and we haven't, we don't, ha- we don't know any games for it. So do you guys think that, um, cause I, to me, the best approximate in another industry would be like Marvel. We know the next seven Marvel movies and then we know three or four more release dates beyond that for untitled Marvel movies. Um, they announced that stuff years in advance. If Sony said, because realistically we all know by sales, Probably sequels to Spider-Man, Days Gone, Horizon, uh, God of War. All of those are probably coming. It's a pretty safe bet. Do you think if they said, hey, we are working on those four exclusives for PS5 for, you know, projected for years to come. But if they said we're working on those games, they're not going to come immediately, but they will be on the system. Do you think that would be a good move or just kind of a like, why bother move? I mean, I think that's a great move. Like to what Max just said, we have no idea what the system is launching with right now. Like, I mean, we... I, I'm trying to think how long in advance we knew what games were launching with Switch. Um, we still don't really know with Xbox, but we know, you know, there's going to be a new Halo game. That's that's at least part of it. And they at least uh, started talking about games recently. Um, it's it's a it's a weird situation. So I do think if they said and yeah, I feel like, the first of all, the more this conversation goes on, the more there's studios are going to tumble out. Like you just mentioned <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn 2 or whatever we're calling it. Zero Dark 30. Um, it's a. That's that's another one that's just like, oh, yeah, that's a huge ass game. They could conceivably put that at launch. You mentioned the Marvel thing. I think that's a really good uh, comparison. I think another really good one would be something like HBO or Disney Plus. Like when you see those sort of sizzle reels where they take a song and they put a, a whole bunch of footage to it. And some of it is like shows that came out already. And others are shows that are coming out soon that maybe only have a few seconds in there. Like I remember like they've they've debuted like four seconds of like game of thrones trailer or footage of the new season back when people cared about that um before it shattered their hopes and dreams <laughs> well that's how they that's how they padded out like the the ps4 and switch launches is, is having a like a bunch of indie games sprinkled in within the big sort of more triple a stuff um yep. the other thing that we haven't seen that would also be fine in addition to the all the first party studios is one of those um one of those sort of splash screens that just like here are all the studios currently working on ps5 games I think that would go a long way and we could speculate about it. But like it's we we saw that at the um, I think at the last Xbox thing, we've seen that you know a million times where it's just like a bunch of like little, you know, and it's like some of it's like a no brainer where it's like, yeah, of course, you know, of course, Ubisoft is making a new video game for a a major system, you know, but like it a little bit goes a long way right now. So, yeah, I would argue that it's going to be it'll if you want to see that that splash screen, you can just watch the Microsoft conference and then like take away three logos and then maybe add three logos. Like, I feel like it's going to be pretty similar. I, I would be amazed with rising development costs in the coming years. If we don't see uh, outside of like 
first party and second party exclusive titles if most third party games don't come to both systems will they be timed exclusives possibly uh depending on how much money people want to throw their way but i i don't think for example i don't think we're going to see like a third like a ton of third party exclusive games for either system that like like ubisoft is not just going to make like an assassin's creed exclusive to one or the other like there's so much money to be made across the board including with pc now too yeah they with Ubisoft, especially like their one console exclusive I can think of in recent memory is Mario plus rabbits. Uh, right. That's obviously a very clear partnership. So yeah, I agree. Unless we see like direct partnerships, like whatever likely blue point is working on is probably one of those, like with PlayStation direct partnership things. I agree. We're not probably going to see too many of those uh, as we go into the next generation. It'll just be nice to know what we're going to see soon. I think, uh, before we move, sorry, go no, ahead. I was going to say, I, uh, I get you, you just named another one. Like we totally glossed over, like that's you're, you're, we're starting to cultivate like a pretty compelling wish list for what a launch window window yeah. year could look like. Like you throw a blue point remaster in there, you throw horizon Two somewhere in there. Like there's, there's some stuff. And to then work you think about Japan studio, which has multiple teams working in it, whether it's the Astrobot team or the gravity rush team has been very silent for a while. Uh, Cause mm-hmm. two came out so long ago. There are v- several teams within that single studio that could easily be working on one or two launch window launch year uh, sort of titles. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot we could be getting. Um, and I did actually ask people what their dream announcements for the PS5 launch would be on Twitter. Thank you to everyone who responded. Most of the usual uh, suspects are there, like Spider-Man, Ratchet & Clank, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn 2, whatever you want to call it, uh, God of War 2, etc. I I agree, as we've been talking more and more on the show, and it's something Lucy has brought up a few times as well, I don't think we're going to see probably those big sequels, the Horizon, God of War, or Spider-Man at launch, because I do think they're going to let those devs take their time to develop them as they need to for the PS5. Mm-hmm. Um, but a few of the other interesting ones that I saw, uh, going around, let me see if I can find this one. Uh, several people suggested SOCOM, which is something they'd like to come back, including Evan on Twitter mentioned SOCOM. I feel like that franchise is pretty much put to bed at this point. Um, I'd be surprised if that's what they brought back. I would, yeah, I would be amazed if that came back too. I feel like the sort of Rainbow Six franchise has sort of stepped in on that, that entire territory. Um, yeah, that I mean, that's I think I think they have the ability to pull up a for, like you lo- you saw people lose it over Tony Hawk last week, justifiably. So I think like while many of us might have moved on from franchises like that, I think like something like that still holds a lot of brand value, and you can get people really excited for saying, "Hey, we're bringing back SOCOM." Um, I'm not really one of those people, but I could be, you know, pushed over the edge if the game looks cool enough. Totally. Uh, and speaking to Tony Hawk, a lot of people, uh, including Willie and several others, mentioned just any type of remasters. A lot of people want to see stuff remastered, whether it's, uh, I believe, Evan, another Evan, or I don't want to get names wrong. But yes, Evan mentioned Metal Gear Solid 1 and 3, not 2, uh, remastered. Yeah, what the? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, but Is he trying take, to piss me off? Like, why would you? Why would you do that? Take it up with Evan. Uh, Willie suggested just, just twin snakes. Evan, it's nothing more for me. I'll just take a little bit of twin snakes. That's all. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, obviously. Um, uh, some people, of course, saying like just something that would really be surprising. Like, of course, there's the expected franchises, but I think a lot of us with a new generation do want to see risks being taken with new franchises trying to be established. Um, and then perhaps my favorite suggestion was Jamie said a 
Smash Bros type of game with PlayStation characters. Never mind. Uh, yeah, and that's. I don't think we're going to see it. Been there, done that. We could could try it again. The problem with a game, yeah, that's just like that's such a tough territory. It was, it was, it was, it was tough territory to step on when they first made that game, and we were already in like a post melee world. And I think it's even it's even tougher now. Um, The thing, the other thing is like Max and I were talking about this the other day. I feel like, and I hate saying this, but I feel like we're getting close to Kojima once again being like, I'm ready to talk about my next project. And it's a PlayStation 5 exclusive and it's a blank, whatever it is, yeah. something insane. And then we can spend the next four years going on that roller coaster again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, outside of the PC port of Death Stranding, like they really haven't indicated there's a DLC or post launch plan for that game in any way. So, no. and he's, you know, tweeted about thinking about next project. So, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if we get into that scenario again soon. No, it doesn't um, seem like that. That's a. A games as a service it's not going to keep growing or, or evolve. i mean they're probably patching it quietly for the five, you know people still playing it but um yeah i think he's ready to move on to something else yeah uh and just like he's ready probably to move on we're ready to move on to our next topic what a great transition uh i did want to talk of course this week even though we did do the second episode last week about ghost of tsushima because uh after the state of play i was fortunate enough to talk with Jason Connell at Sucker Punch, who is the creative director and art director for Ghost of Tsushima. It's a lot of responsibility for this game. Uh, And we talked about a few different topics about the state of play. And so I want to go in depth uh, on it a little bit uh, since this is a conversation we had. Uh, You can read all of my breakouts on IGN.com. But one of the more interesting things he brought up to me that I want to talk to you guys about uh, was that essentially why they're moving away from infamous's karma meter and infamous from the start had been such a big like choose whether you're going to be good or whether you're going to be bad uh and replaying second son recently it was that weird feeling of i don't like being bad in this because i'm just having to murder everyone while still trying to save people like that that disconnect didn't really work for me in that framework and Mm -hmm. Jin, the protagonist of ghost seems to be someone who is at least going on a seemingly you know, uh, an act of vengeance or trying to uh, exact revenge on invaders. Like they are trying to um, deal with this war that is threatening his homeland. And so obviously there's something virtuous to what he's trying to do. But they said they wanted to move away from the karma meter because, quote, we thought about it because we had the karma system in Second Sum, but we realized it was more important to us that we want to tell a human story of someone who is this way and has to then evolve into something else versus transform completely into something else. Uh, so he doesn't flip flop back and forth. It muddied it up for us. We really wanted the story to reflect his transformation. Uh, and that transformation is essentially as Jin becomes the ghost, um, this like legendary figure. How, how do you guys feel about them taking that bit of what's become a pretty big sucker punch motif out of their games? I'm, I'm, I'm totally okay with it. I love it. Um, I think that um, that system is, is it, it felt almost like mandatory in games 10 years ago. Like, I think it, it worked really well in, in Infamous and, you know, Red Dead and then Mass Effect had like, you know, Paragon and Renegade. It's like it was it was it was everywhere for a second. And I think we just got kind of burnt out on it. And at the end of the day, if you're going to have something like that, you really have to commit to uh, telling multiple stories like you have to you have to really commit to branching paths. And if that's not the kind of game you're making, it doesn't really make sense to have that in there. Yeah, they uh, Connell really spoke to uh, Jason really spoke to the fact that they do want to tell this very it seems like a very specific story when it comes to Jin and the invasion of uh, his home. 
um, and everything with that. And obviously, like honor and dishonor, given its um, inspiration from samurai films, plays a big part in that. Uh, and so, at some point in the story, Jason was saying, you know, this change does happen, and Jin has to go on this path, and he becomes the ghost. But uh, one thing I wanted to bring up because I know there was some discrepancy for some people. Uh, you don't essentially choose between being the ghost or the samurai uh, in the gameplay. Like these are things that kind of uh, you go back and forth between what skills you want to use, what tactics you're employing. Uh, as Jason said, he's like in his heart of hearts, he is a samurai. This is how he was raised. This is what he's come to learn and believe about life. But he's becoming and taking on this role of the ghost because he needs to in order to evolve and deal with what his homeland is being threatened. And and I like that sort of like he's taking on this, but they're not forcing you to be like, play stealthy or play action. Um, Right. No, I love that. Um, I I think that uh, I. I've I've grown to sort of uh, appreciate the kind of like deliberateness of 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 a story and uh like a, the plan of a of a developer rather than the total freedom when it comes to this stuff like that because I think that that doesn't mean the entire path and the entire game has to be guided. I mean you're you're going to have infinite freedom in that game when it comes to combat and exploration and and upgrading and so many other things. But I, I do think the sort of morality system. Um, being applied to every game is not necessarily something that I'm necessarily interested anymore. I think like it can work and I'd love to see it used again, but making it a sort of mandatory prerequisite for every open world game or every game period, like it, like Max said, like it was for a while there. um, I'm happy to kind of see that dip out a little bit. I also don't like it being so obvious. Like I'm totally cool with, with a game that has different endings depending on how you play it. But I think to, to have like a visible gauge or meter, it kind of gets in the way of actually being able to like make, you know, have a morality system of your own. Like, I love it when a game is like, Hey, you were a, you were a real jerk this entire time. And here's a sad ending. You, you, <laughs> you piece of shit. like, mm-hmm. like, and then, but flip side, like if you're constantly like, you're like, if I kill the guy, I get the little red icon. And if I, if I beat him up severely, I get the blue icon. It's just such an odd, like it's just, it's a, it's a, it feels, you know, kind of juvenile i guess and i feel like games have come a longer way like the we've we've uh, last of us is a perfect example of that we're like that's a fairly like rigid and linear story that you know puts you know player player choice i mean there's not a ton of choice there but it like that's it, it it's telling its story and it's you are you are being an accomplice to that story which is that's where it gets interesting i think yeah, yeah and I, honestly i was gonna say that i think that's what a lot of people a lot of people have a problem with uh, in terms of a lot of games because or in terms of a lot of media in general is because they have a sort of preset vision of what they want to see characters do or become. And this is not just The Last of Us. This is across, you know, Star Wars, Marvel, everything, every big Game of Thrones. Um, and I think that there's like there's a path that will make most people happy. And then there's a path that will kind of split the audience and there's a path that will make most people unhappy. And it's, it's kind of tough to find that and also find your, your narrative as a creative person. Uh, Although I have, I have read that like when given the choice in games like this, a lot of people do choose to play good at the end of the day anyway, because I think that there is that mild voice in their back of the back of their head being like, you know, don't screw this up. You're going to get the bad ending. You're going to, everyone's going to hate you. You're going to ruin all your friendships. And um I, people ultimately play video games as sort of escapist power fantasies and they don't really want to screw up you know like they want to they want to be heroes i think so 
Yeah, especially a game tied around, uh, for Infamous at least, like being a superhero. Uh, obviously, we've seen fun adventures from villains, but it tends to be when they end up being more like heroes that we end up really sympathizing with them. So I can understand right. why people end up playing uh, more as good. Uh, but speaking in terms of that player choice and everything, uh, Jason also spoke to me about sort of the scope of it. And he did say, like, this is Sucker Punch's biggest game, uh, obviously by like square footage of the world, of course, but also just in terms of how much content they put in. And he said, like, their, their style of development for them is really just like rigorous testing and reiterating or iterating and continuing to improve upon stuff as they see what works and what doesn't. Um, and so they've been really keeping in mind both players who are going to want to just like go through the main critical path of this game and just experience Jin's story, as well as everyone who's going to want to also find every little thing that this game is encouraging you to find within its environment, um, which I think is great, especially for like, it's so interesting to come in as the sort of last PS4 first party exclusive with this history, especially of this generation of like story driven, open ish world, some fully, some more and some less so. Uh, narrative-driven games and see what worked and what didn't all of that time. Yeah, no, I love that. I also love that this, I, I feel like, like Ghost was a, kind of an underdog in the sort of PS4 um, ammo clip for a while. Like, it didn't really seem like people knew enough about it. It felt like it was sort of living in the shadow of The Last of Us in terms of the two of those games coming so close. And I think this combination of people, um, to be frank, not being super excited about what they've read about the last of us but also finding out so much more about ghost um and realizing that it's maybe way more of the game that people kind of want right now just like this big cool open world game i think it's also it's completely escapism it's completely removed from the current climate that we're in right now in the world and i feel like the last of us kind of had the bad luck of releasing you know a a kind of pandemic video game uh during a pandemic reality whereas this is a game about you know getting lost in in the mountains of japan like it's it's simpler times. yeah simpler times exactly so not not to put the two against each other but ultimately i think that you know video games are expensive and people will uh you know if they're standing in a store if we ever have those again hold both of these things side by side and go you know which one's the better option right now uh, I think that more people will go with The Last of Us because it's got the name brand and the value of being a sequel. Um, but I think a lot of people are starting to pay attention to Ghost of Tsushima. And um, that makes me really happy because it's it looks it looks very new despite being this sort of iterative combination of a lot of systems and, and things and that we've seen before in video games. Yeah, it's um, I, I'm really excited by what that state of play showed us and what that like the teases of the world really afforded us. And it, it seems like the entire team at Sucker Punch really kind of has that in mind of making this an adventure that you can really just get yourself lost in and uh, finding ways that people are going to be able to just lose hours being guided by the wind or seeing foxes or birds that lead you in a different direction. That really seems to be like at the core of what they're trying to get at is this curiosity. Yep. Um, but another another interesting thing that kind of came into their like playtesting and reiterating um, or changing things up as they learned more, uh, he mentioned to me that, because um, I was really curious about this, that film grade and cinematic mode that's going to be in there from the jump where you can play in black and white and it looks more like a classic samurai movie. Um, I, I was wondering, because this game is so much about like visual cues and especially the colors of the world and how that would impact the game when it's black and white and you can't see that that tree is yellow over there or you know x y and z about the game isn't as legible and he said that the 
the work that when they started playing the game through in that film mode, it actually made them change some stuff up to make the whole game more readable and more accessible in a way, because that's essentially uh, they were looking at accessibility modes and like, oh, if we have the same symbol, but it's differently colored to mean three different points on the map, no one's going to know what's the difference between those if they're in the black and white mode and things like that. So it actually hmm. ben- it benefited the game design uh, and the readability of the entire game as a whole for players and the accessibility of it for them to be testing it in this mode too, which I really appreciate. Oh, cool. I love that so much. I was like really, obviously really excited about this. I think that was the first thing I said about this game. And I like, I went on Twitter. I like took a bunch of screenshots of the, of the live stream and I was like, Hey, this is awesome. I'm excited about this. Like kind of Kurosawa mode. And I got like these, I got like all these, I, I think some of them were probably like, you know, trolls or like Xbox snobs, but they're also like a bunch of like, there were a bunch of like film nerds in there who were like, this looks revolting. Watch a real Kurosawa movie. This isn't even black and white. This is just desaturated. And I was like, it's a screenshot from my laptop of a YouTube live stream that happened 11 minutes ago. Like, uh, like, sorry yeah. to rush it, but like, I got so mad about that where it's like, just yeah. maybe, maybe give the AAA multi-million dollar years in the making video game, the benefit of the doubt that it will look better running natively on, you know, a, a $500 or $400 box and a 4k TV than it does on a, on a, a F word YouTube stream. Like just, <laughs> Anyway, it's great. Yeah, Everything's yeah. fine these days. No, on that note, like uh, I think we did say it on the Ghost of Tsushima episode. If you haven't, go rewatch that stream in the 4K upload that's on the PlayStation channel or on IGN's channel. Uh, and we also have in all of my breakouts a gallery of 4K screenshots that Sony like natively took of the game yeah. that do show off how just how beautiful this world is, whether it's in the full color version or the black and white mode. Like it is just a gorgeous game. Yeah, and if you want an idea of how that game's going to run on like a PS4 Pro, just put a small sort of box fan <laughs> next to your laptop and put it on the loudest setting, and then or just maybe like uh, so put up pull up some YouTube videos of like jets taking off. Have a dog growl loudly in your ear <laughs> while you're watching, and it it really sells the PS4 Pro experience. Take your hair dryer and turn it on, and then put it in the dishwasher, and then run the dishwasher. I remember crying at the end of God of War. It's like one of the only video games that's made me cry in the last few years, and it's just like I'm just like sobbing, and the ending credits are playing, and I just hear like. <sighs> I was like, God damn. I don't know how to tell you this, man. That was the PlayStation crying too. um yeah i've actually now taken to whenever i'm playing a big game that i know i'm getting emotionally invested in i delete more off of my hard drive just in case it helps a little bit oh man to free is up that base is that real is that anecdotal i don't, like, I don't know no i like it It just makes me feel better if i'm like oh the hard drive is freer so that the whole system can run better i don't know if it does it's got more room like, this time around exactly yeah the, like the game will know you're taking it seriously because there's yeah. no other games on your dashboard exactly it matters yeah. more to me because it's the only game on my yeah. dashboard God of War is not like um, shoving through the crowd with all the horses and Red Dead and their big balls. <laughs> Get out of my uh, way. Anyway, speaking of PS4 Pros, I should mention before we move on, Ghost of Tsushima is out July 17th. Uh, former IGN editor Andrew Goldfarb works at Sucker Punch. Didn't influence our decision to talk about this game. Anyway, moving on to the PS4 Pro. Uh, if you are looking for, hopefully, a maybe it'll be quieter. I don't know because the more recent ones have that new power cord. Um, Sony did announce today The Last of Us Part 2 will have, of course, a limited edition PS4 Pro bundle. Uh, this edition is a little bit different from a lot of the other ones that we've seen before. Normally, it's sort of like something painted on top of uh, the PS4 
shell or you know some sort of like decal design um something painted on this one is ellie's tattoo which has become really one of the more synonymous like bits of art from the game um that people associate with it has been etched into the ps4 pro um and so this is a bit more like built into the hardware itself while the ps4 pro controller has ellie's tattoo also on one of the uh handles and also the logo on the touchpad I don't like the logo being on the touchpad, but they did that. Yeah, um, I saw I I'm drawing a blank. Um oh a website today. Uh it was Kotaku or or Polygon, I believe, tweeted out about how like they 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 basically did like an op-ed. I'm totally sorry I'm not remembering who did it. Um about why like it's they don't really like logos on controllers and 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 consoles and I'm I'm inclined to agree. I think that like in the same way I don't generally wear a lot of clothes with like a ton of logos on them um i think it's like if you had something that was subtle but still evocative of what the game is doing um i'm not crazy about this one particularly but the etching technique is awesome i'm a little bummed that it took them so long in the system's life cycle to to do something like this um maybe they've done it before and i'm drawing a blank but uh like i know they did there's like they've done it on touchpads on on some stuff like the Star Wars controller has, mm. you know, Star Wars etched in. And it's, it's not like, really, it's, I think that's just like a embossed decal or something. It's not even is really. It? It's, yeah. it's like raised. I mean, no, like, I, I, I had a conversation with somebody about this a million years ago. I can't remember who it was, but we were talking about how like it comes down to the second you start. I think it, I, I could be, I could be mistaken here. I'd actually love to hear if somebody has input on this, if they want to write in anonymously or whatever. But I, I believe it has to do with like, if the second you start altering the actual form factor of the of the device it has to go through like that many level of processes and approvals like it, it just becomes an entirely different procedure as opposed to being like we slap the logo on it or slap the decal or whatever or change the color of the plastic but the second you're like actually altering the design of it it gets like into a weird like it, it, it has to go to a different jurisdiction oh interesting i wonder how they got that was that pikachu n64 that had the big leg oh yeah <laughs> That's that's yeah, a really that, good point. That blue and yellow one. Yeah. Yeah. It had just like a giant 3D embossed Pikachu on it. Um, yeah, that's that's fascinating. That actually makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I'm 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 not crazy about this design specifically, but I also like if if you would add if this game had come out three or four years ago or even two years ago, maybe it'd be a different conversation. As of right now, like if I, I don't need to see another PS4. Like I'm, I'm sold on the system. I've adored it for a very long time now. The Spider-Man one a couple years ago was awesome. Like, you know, I even liked the Death Stranding one last year. Uh, but it's, it's 2020, and I want to see a PS5. I, this is awesome news for people who've waited this long for a PS4 or are a desperate need for an upgrade because theirs is loud or broken, and they're not planning on getting a PS5 for a long time. But for me personally, I'm not in love with design. I wish it didn't say The Last of Us Part Two everywhere. And uh, I wish it was a PS5. <laughs> yeah, I like the I like the engraving technique a lot. Uh, and I do hope they do stuff like that in the future because it, it does lend itself to more unique designs for sure. And it is more of a subtle thing. Um, but yeah, I, I just wish the words of The Last of Us Part Two were not on the front of the system that will probably be facing you uh, while you're playing all the time because you're only going to be playing this game so often. Um, 
Yeah, but I, I'm glad they're, you know, honoring this game with that. It would be a little weird if we got I know to the end of the life cycle, but if they'd been doing all these limited editions and then we're like, ah, for this game, that's a long-winded sequel. Who cares? Uh, so yeah. it makes sense. But no, you're totally yeah, right. It, it'll be interesting to see uh how that one sells, but you know, there's been enough special editions of this game that I know sell really well whenever we post them uh, about them on IGN, so this will probably do okay. Um, just to wrap up with a little bit more news, uh, in case you didn't see, after all of the leaks, uh, the Mafia Trilogy collection is officially real. It includes Mafia 3 Definitive Edition, which is essentially Mafia 3 with all of its DLC, and if you own Mafia 3, the DLC packs, I believe, are now free. Uh, Mafia 2 Remastered Edition, which is the definitive remaster, uh, that's available now. And then Mafia 1 is being fully remade by Hangar 13, who remade, or who made Mafia 3. That's not coming out until August, but if you buy the trilogy now, you will get that later, or you can buy it separately. Um, I've yeah, never played any of the Mafia games, so this I, is a... I, to- I played a little Sorry. bit of 2 and a little bit of 3, and the... Uh, the bummer about this one is that um, one, it looks like it's being remade completely from the ground up, and two, which is out today, is essentially a port of the PC version, with like some of the bells and whistles. But it the ver- the the screenshots we saw from one look like a like a next gen game. Yeah, seeing the the one remake made me go like, oh, this is the level of like the Tony Hawk remaster or you know things of that of remake the. Uh, stuff like that final fantasy 7 remake obviously is gorgeous but it wasn't a one-to-one but yeah this is mafia one was the thing where i was like i saw that i'm like i want to play that i'm Mm -hmm. okay if i don't immediately jump on these remasters right now Mm -hmm. i'm like i'm i've always been a tough sell on on mafia stuff like or organized crime stuff in general like it's sort of one of those things that i'm just like that's not it doesn't really grab me and then i've like gotten so into the yakuza stuff that i'm kind of like Maybe I like it now. Like maybe I'll go <laughs> check out like the American, the American Yakuza, the Mafia, the <laughs> Italian American, yeah. the Italian Yakuza, <laughs> Italian sushi. <laughs> <laughs> they got this great ramen. You're gonna love it. It's uh, it's all dried out. Instead of the soup, they put it in a tomato sauce. They got big balls of meat. They call it spaghetti. I don't know why I said that in the Italian. That would, that's like not a Japanese. Anyway, no, I'm I, like the, the remake looks really gorgeous. And I just I don't know, like it's an open world that I've never been to before. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I, especially right now, I want to go explore new virtual places. Like things are yeah. so we're so cooped up right now. I know that one's coming out for a brand right? new open world game. I it's coming out right before the fall rush too. And I wish it was coming out like just a week or two earlier to give us kind of more of a window mm-hmm. to play with it. Cause that, that remake does look so good, but uh, I'm excited. I think we'll definitely talk about it once that comes out, but I haven't had a time on with the, any time with the remaster. I don't think you guys have played yet. So mm-hmm. uh, if you're playing, let us know, but uh, just to go through a couple other news stories, uh, we got a small little tidbit or at least a hint about the PS5 dual sense uh, from Thomas was alone and John Wick Hex developer Mike Bithell uh, while he was talking on uh, the show that he appears on Play, Watch, Listen, hosted by IGN's former editor, uh, the wonderful Alana Pierce. Oh, and if you if you want to know why she's not on the show anymore, it's because she was in the Microsoft game, the Gear, the Gears of War. So we don't. That's why we kicked we her off the PlayStation show. Yeah, yeah, it's called um, social distancing. Uh, anyway, Bithel was on the show and said he was talking with uh, Austin Wintery, the composer who's also on the show. They were talking about, um, you know, looking forward to the Unreal Engine 5 demo, the PS5's Tempest audio engine, all of that stuff. 
Um, and Bithel said he was Googling to find out if something had been announced yet before he replied to Austin, quote, you're going to love what they're doing with the, P- the, with the controller on PS5 as well, with the DualSense haptic, the raindrops thing. I've had some demos. They're very good. Uh, you're going to have some fun uh, with that. Um, so seemingly there's going to be something where the DualSense will recreate the feel of raindrops um i I assume there'll be some sort of it's not surprising if they're saying you know you'll be able to feel the mud you're tracking through that you'd be able to feel rain or the rumble of a thunderstorm or things like that but i'd be really interested to see how composers end up playing to that if games like design feelings in the controller based on beats of the soundtrack that could be really interesting to me. That that just gave me goosebumps. Like that sounds <laughs> that sounds awesome. The goosebumps is a different demo. That's when it gets spine tingling and you get the goose pimples on your flesh because of the, the specters. The entire R.L. Stein classic book series will be available on PlayStation Five on day one. We've confirmed it here. God, I would love a goosebumps game for PlayStation and Five. We should we should say that R.L. Stein used to be on this show, and so of just course. a disclaimer: um, we do not condone any of his work. Yeah, he was the first person. person. He used to Sorry, come to the show all the time, and he would he would he would spin spine tingling tales. So we kicked him off for being too spooky. That's right. He he told me my neighbor was a mummy. <laughs> <laughs> And then Jack Black appeared and they made two movies out of it. And it was this whole thing. That's right. Um, they did. Yeah. They made two whole movies. Uh, he was also the first person on the show to say beyond fun fact. That's right. Um, and yeah. the F word. Yeah. We, that's why we that's kicked weird. him off too. Anyway, uh, the only other bit of news I did want to mention was if you want to go check out the full uh, list of artists who are on the Tony Hawk pro skater remake soundtrack that was revealed last Friday. We have that up on IGN. Um, one of the there's been some debate that I was asked about on the graphic of all of the uh, announced artists. It mentions the band Speed Dealer, um, but they had two songs in the original game and Activision won't currently say what songs of theirs will be in the game. So I don't know what's going on there, but it sounds like maybe some deals are still being done for the soundtrack. OK, um, yeah, but they said right now we reached out to Activision for comment. And they were like, uh, th- that list is essentially confirming what artists will be on the track. So potentially there may be room for other uh, tracks and whatnot, but uh, we won't be playing that for another few months. So in the meantime, I want to know uh, Max and Brian, what have you guys been playing? Max, let's start with you. So I jumped into the weird VR game uh, Gorn, which is like a ridiculous slapstick gladiator game for uh, PSVR. It's been on other other platforms first. It's from the I forget the studio's name, but they did uh, Broforce and something else that was equally silly. Um, I want like I again, I, I kind of I'll give this game the benefit of the doubt because I, I think I ran into the same issue where I was like, I finally have my PlayStation VR all perfectly set up. And then like the sun rose two degrees in the sky and suddenly my my room was lit up and I my calibration was all off. But um, it's basically like a really slapstick gladiator game where you uh you fight these and it's like it's more fun than it looks like it looks like it's really stupid and it's in reality it's actually even stupider than that but in a very hilarious way um it kind of it's basically you get dropped in this it's like sort of i feel like a kind of rick and morty sensibility in terms of violence and character design but you're in this like you know gladiatorial pit and these big like hulking muscle men come at you and you just beat the shit out of them and it's actually like pretty horrible like there's times that i'm like Oh God, that's the cartilage in his nose, but it's like a, you know, like a child's drawing of like a ruined torso. Um, but again, it's like one of those things where like, I got really into it. I actually, um, 
kind of hurt my hand because I accidentally whacked my the side of my treadmill really hard, uh, which you're not supposed to do in the game. That that's that's actually that was an accident. But um, I like again, it was like I kind of wish that I had like full like full 360 tracking as opposed to having to like face one particular direction. Uh, but yeah, you just like you pick up different weapons. There's like it it reminds me of like uh just kind of playing with silly role play toys when you were a kid like you know that like those like sumo wrestler suits they would have at like birthday parties or like sock boppers it's kind of it does that thing where it kind of leans into the goofiness of vr and in a way that is is interesting whereas we've gotten we've got a lot of sort of shooting gallery and combat games where they try to be like yes this is the ultimate experience of hand-to-hand combat in a melee scenario and this is like yeah but what if the the, what if the mace was wiggly like what if it was like (laughs) um so yeah hopefully i can get it sort of recalibrated but it's it's you know a silly good time yeah they uh i just looked it up they also made genital jousting there it is oh another floppy game Max and I did an incredibly funny let's play of that that they did not let us put up on IGN and I wish we could find (laughs) it because we were in tears laughing and some cop was like no you want to roll that in up at noon I feel like everyone who shot that down doesn't work here anymore so like we have it it's got to be around here somewhere kicking around no it doesn't it could be on a Google Drive or something I don't how are you gonna find that you just search for genital on a Google Drive you want to do that just just my work email type in Yeah. yeah Just go at IGN.com slash genitals. It's probably on there. If we can find it, we'll put it up. I don't care anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Something what to add. What are they going to do? Make us work from home for four months straight? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be six months. Uh, anyway, Brian, what, uh, what have you been playing? Anything in particular? Is it uh, a quieter time? Not, not a ton. Uh, Max and I played a lot of Maneater, which I don't think we can talk about yet. But okay. Thumbs up. Um, that comes yeah. out Friday, so we can yeah. talk about that next week for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we actually we have a um, full disclosure as long as we're disclosing everything and spilling our darkest secrets. We have a, a man eater sponsored up at noon episode going up where we did a very ridiculous let's play. So if you want to get a feel for what that game's like, that'll be uh, going up on Friday. I'll be having Friday at five p.m. on IGN's channels. Yeah, please watch that. We worked really hard on that. That was a that was a big technical pain in the butt for Max and I to figure out how to do a. a <laughs> it was a kind of a physical pain in the butt too because we wore fishermen's costumes. That's true. I, I you didn't see this on camera, but I actually split my crotch because the yeah. Oh, you. I mean, it's I good you couldn't. See, I'm very way too tall to be wearing things with like suspenders on them, so that just tugs it up in all sorts of weird bad ways. I never think I have fat legs until I wear yellow pants, and then <laughs> all is revealed. That's why I don't does wear that yellow happen? pants. I no. was going to say, does that happen every few months where you're like, oh yeah, my legs? Well, yellow pants. I was I was actually Big Bird for one summer in 1996, gotcha. and then I got fired. <laughs> haven't we all um <laughs> yes orange spe- pants speaking, speaking of let's plays though uh i know a lot of people have been asking we haven't been able to get back together obviously because of all the shelter in place orders so we are still keeping the bloodborne let's play on hold uh until we can shoot more because we don't want to put an episode out and then have six months of silence on it that seems um, unnecessarily cruel i think we should just put it up yeah we give can somebody maybe, give people a thing to watch we're we're workshopping on the air right now, but maybe we can figure out a way yeah. to to just play it remotely. That's what I mean, millions of people have figured out how to do that. Do people do that on the internet? I think a couple of people on the internet have played video games without being in the same room together. Interesting. We should look into that. Uh, Red, our producer who's on this call, uh, if you can Google that um, for us, that would be great. See if anyone's done that. Um, but yeah, I'm down to figure that out. I it seems like we're going to be in this situation for a little bit longer, and so if we can make a 
more episodes of that show, I'd definitely love to because that was a great time. Oh, I played more Bloodborne. Oh, yeah, I got to I got to one of the last bosses and I was I was like having the DLC. No, I didn't. I'm not going to beat the DLC. Go I'm not going to beat those. I'm not going to beat that guy. Max. I'm not going to beat that. You know, I'm not going to beat that guy. You come help Which me fight guy? that man. Which guy? I got to fight the guy on the beach and I got to fight the horse in the church that's on fire. And both of those are really hard. And no, not enough people have the DLC. I just want to finish the game. I want to finish you, it. Everybody has the DLC. You, you could beat the horse in the church. You will not beat the man on the beach without calling a stranger on the internet. You just won't. I'm sorry. I, I love you. you just I know. That's what I'm saying is I go in there and I ring my ring my bell until my arm falls off and he still kicks my ass. I can't beat the, str- the little man on the beach. You got to do it. gets so cool after that. Nasty wet Billy in the sand. <laughs> wait, you didn't you, you didn't beat the horse. I didn't beat the I know. Wait, I beat the first horse in the church, but then you go to the different church and there's the other horse that's on fire. He's more of like a wolf, I guess. You know, you know what I'm talking about? No, he's not that bad. The one that, the, that was on fire. He's not that bad. Okay, well, I, I just would. Did you, did you beat the lady that lives at the top of the clock tower? Yeah, I beat. I kicked her ass. I did great on her. I beat her a second try. I was very proud of myself. And you can't beat the dog. The, the one who's on the dog was on fire. Just forget it. Just, just. <laughs> no, this is great. This is the the most video game who's on first conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, uh, and it's maybe it's spoilery. I don't know, but hopefully I'll get there someday. Um, but it's, yeah, it's I, just us saying stupid animals and then an, an element. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's a good from software boss generator. <laughs> just add element. And did you, did you fight the wind goat? <laughs> uh, anyway, as we're wrapping up the show, I do want to, uh, jump into a memory card story. Memory card, of course, is our weekly segment where you, the viewers and listeners at home, write in with your wacky, weird, sad, funny, whatever memories of your video gaming life, and we read them on the show. Uh, this one this week comes from Hyro from the Bronx, New York, and as they wrote in their email, pizza, as all uh, Bronx residents say. Um, I miss New York pizza so bad right I, now. I, I oh do, my too. God. Um, Hiro said, love the podcast. I've been listening for a long time. Uh, My best friend, Arnaldo, whom I've known for 15 years now, worked at a mom and pop game store when we were in middle school. First of all, we were all super jealous that a 13-year-old could pull off a job. They've got connections. Uh, Our love for video games really flourished at the time. All we did was talk about games in class. Anyway, the date was November 17th, 2004. And as some of you may know, it was the US release date of Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater for the PlayStation 2. Now, for some context here, Arnaldo and I are huge Metal Gear fans, so this highly anticipated release was all we ever thought of for the past few months. The morning of a few of our friends, Arnaldo and I made the plan to run after school to the game store he worked at to purchase the game. We knew we had to be fast based on pre-order projections from that store. As soon as the bell rang, we ran towards the exit. As I was running, I didn't see my friend Arnaldo anywhere, and as we continued running, I saw a bus whip out next to us outside. Inside that bus was Arnaldo waving at us with a huge grin on his face. I knew he would beat us to it. We got... We got to the game store, and there he was behind the counter with a disappointed look on his face as he said they just sold the last copy. I didn't even think twice about it and quickly made a run out to uh, another game store about a mile away. I walked into the other game store out of breath and asked the clerk for a copy. He looked at me and said, we don't have any more and won't until tomorrow. Defeated, Uh, I... 
Defeated in my efforts, I walked back to Arnaldo's game store, daydreaming about how I want to just stroll through the jungles of Russia. I assume that's in the game. I walk into the store, and there was Arnaldo with what seems to be about 20 copies of Metal Gear Solid 3 for the PlayStation 2 on top of the counter with his hand on it, and he says, gotcha. Thank you so much, and keep up the great work. Uh, that friend in mine now do a Metal Gear podcast. Oh, oh that's amazing. Great. Uh, shout out to your Metal Gear podcast. Uh, I'll give them a shout out. It's called Under the Cardboard Box Podcast. That rules. Um, very thank good. You. Sorry you had, a, you had to run a mile there. <laughs> that sounds like a pain. I'm trying to think of what uh, video games I would do that for. Like just fueled by pure adrenaline. You did stuff like that for your Switch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm a dumb That's man. Fair. Um, I'll do it for probably the PS5, depending on if there's scarcity. Uh, anyway, before we wrap, also want to do a That One Thing from uh, Michael this week wrote in. That One Thing is another one of our weekly segments where the viewers and listeners at home write in and let us know about what about a game really stuck with them and has made it one of their favorites of all time. Uh, Michael said, I'm 34 and have had every PlayStation uh, in my life, but there is one little stupid mini game that has always stuck with me. Suikoden 2 on PS1 had a cooking competition that I played the hell out of that got you nothing except a random chef's life story. Uh, and that's a short and sweet one, but I just love the idea. Like, I, I, I've i totally become addicted to, like, a specific mini game or a specific part of a game, and then you just get some character detail. It doesn't really win you mm-hmm. anything in the end. Um, but when you love a game, it, it makes sense to get uh, deep into that stuff. Yeah, it happens. Um, Anyway, as we're running short on time, unfortunately, I want to get to uh, next week. I'll bring up some of the Ghost of Tsushima reactions. I'm sorry we're running out of time for that, but uh, we'll read those on next week's show. Uh, Before we do wrap up, uh, of course, we realize we're getting nearer to episode 650. Uh, We're only a few episodes away. And of course, did want to mention, given the current parameters of life in San Francisco and much of the world, we're probably not going to be doing anything in person um so stay tuned for plans we'll be working on stuff but yeah don't expect any sort of announcement of an in-person event for 650 um but other than that uh you can find us all on twitter i'm at jm dornbush brian is at agent bizzle and max is at max scoville uh normally beyond is live every wednesday at 3 p.m pacific at beyond.ign.com youtube.com slash ign beyond and your favorite podcast services uh you can catch us otherwise on ign.com and youtube.com slash ign uh but that pretty much wraps us up for episode 646 thank you max thank you brian thank you to red our producer uh, thank you to Lucy, wherever you may be. She's She was just busy. She'll be back soon. Uh, but anyway, thank you so much for listening and are watching to this episode. And as always, beyond. Beyond. Nice. <laughs>